Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now, great. We've been busy. And last, last week, we started with a new series. And I started speaking about who we are, who we are as a church. And, and I remember I said last week, I said I start, I, we actually started with this series or this topic two years ago when we planted this church. And the 2nd, the 4th of May, we will be two years old. Can you believe it? And there's a couple of you who's been with us from the start, and there's so many new people in our church. And, and I felt that God said, Henny, let's go through who we are again. And it's very important to know who we are, what our core values is. And we call the series DNA because I just love the word DNA. <laughs> and I said, I want to call the series DNA, and I had to go and Google what is DNA exactly. I know what it, what it is, but I can't actually give a definition on the word DNA. But DNA is actually a chemical in our body with genetic information. It is who we are. If I take that genetic information and I make someone new that only God, well, God can do it, but it, it takes two people who we are comes out another end. The skew nose, the krom and everything. That's, it's all our genetic information. But see, all our information, the, the, the DNA actually have all our information our body needs to grow, to reproduce, to function. And it's so important to know what your DNA is, especially in church where we are family, when we build community. And you know, as we've done last year, we've done a brilliant sermon series on community who we are and why we believe that God has called us not to just play church on a Sunday, but to build community in, our other, in each other's lives, to have lunch together, to break bread together, to be the ex-church like, like the, the apostles and the disciples. And that's our hearts. Now I want to take a few weeks to look through our core values as KLC Stellenbosch. Now if you're here for the first time, KLC stands for Kingdom Light church and we've been birthed out of the church in strand called kingdom light church and we planted out of them and from us we planted more well, not from us but from the uh, we planted salambosh malmsbury durbanville we're busy taking over a church in in, in uh, hermanus called rain uh, christian church they will be part of our family and god is planting all over and he's growing the vision not because we want to have a lot of churches no absolutely not we want to impact lives we want to bring the good news we want to see more miracles. We want to change the town and the nation and our region. Now, core values is essential for a group of people. They want to walk in the same direction and stay in unity. And if you're part of our church, I want you to walk in the same direction as us, to know what we believe, what we pray, where we're going, how God grows your life. You see, core values help us to see the same goal by looking through the same lenses. Now, if you look at life... We all look at life every day. But the big question is, through what lens do you look at life? You see, because the lens, the core value that you look through will help you to make decisions in life like we're making. And it's very important to have core values in your life. We've got family core values. I've got core values I live by. But our church have core values that we believe, Lord, Lord, this is what you've called us to do in this town. We don't just want to be like any other church. We want to be a church that make an impact that do things that, that is your heart, Father. That is our heart. Now, I remember two years ago, we were sitting in Strand, and we were in a transition time um, in ministry. We've been in ministry uh, at that stage for 18, 18 years, and, 
And we were in a transition, and we were sitting in a church in, in Strand, and I was praying and said, Lord, I don't want to plant a church if you don't give me a word. Because I can do a lot of things, but it, it's you that need to lead this thing. So I can be the leader, I can, I can be your instrument, but if you don't lead it, if you, if you don't give me the, the mandate to run with this, then what am I doing? I'm just playing church. And God, that one morning, I remember um, in, in that week after my prayer, God gave me the scripture. And from the scripture, the DNA of our church formed. And it's, one, it's John 1 verse 4 to 5. It says in the New King James, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not understand it. And as I had highlighted that three words, that three words highlighted to me as I read that scripture, and God started giving me three pillars that, that, that we wanted to build our church on. And the three pillars was life, light, and ignite. Leve, licht, and ignite. Because <laughs> I don't know what you call ignite in Afrikaans. If you know, please come and tell me, because I'd love to, to see what it is. That's why we don't have an ignite banner in Afrikaans. No, yeah, that doesn't work. I've tried it, so please don't go there. No, life, light, ignite. So in, out of each and every one of these values, we, um, oh, these pillars, God gave me two core values that life brings, that light brings, and that, that what ignites. And it was the following. Life, the two values for life was activate and bring. To activate our God-given identity and authority and an impact society. Because we know, need to know who we are, what our identity is, what's the authority we walk in as children of God, but then also to bring transformation based on two very important things, grace and love. You see, grace saved us. His love changed our lives on a daily basis. Then light, two values for light was empower and build. And it said, empower the saints all of the people that this church touched, that's the saints, to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ and then to take risk to reach the world around them. We need to reach out with what God has given us and then to build a compassion culture that touches a town, that touches a nation and touches the world. And I'll speak about that where Jesus touched the leper. And God gave me that specific scripture where he touched the leper and everybody went, oh, and he, he touched it because he had a compassion in his heart to change people. And that's what I love and that's what I believe God has called us to do. And then ignite is to worship and equip. Worship what? Is to ignite change in the atmosphere of Stellenbosch through worship. So Lumi had one morning, she, she was in prayer and she was worshiping on a piano and God gave her that verse that says, we will add, change the atmosphere of this town through worship. And that's our passion, that's our value, and we believe that God's going to birth a worship school out of our church, and we're going to train musicians to go out and touch a nation and touch the town. That's our dream, that's our vision. And then to equip others. You can't have a church without equipping the saints. That's Ephesians 4. Equip others to grow in their relationship with God, the most important thing. But then also for them to disciple others. And not just disciple others, but minister as they grow. We want to be an empowering church where people come to me and say, I've got a passion for skateboarding, for the skateboarders in this town. I want to reach them. I will say, great, let's equip you and let's see how we can touch them. You see, we want to equip people to grow and to minister and disciple others. And that's the six values, the six values. Now, this morning, 
I want to touch on the second one of live. Last week we started out with Activate, and if you want to go and go and listen to all our sermons, it's free on our website, klcstalenbosch.co.za. Just click on sermon or resources sermons, and you can listen to all of them for free. We're busy looking at a, a, a new platform that will sh- throw it into Apple and Spotify and all those things, which is easy accessible. But we spoke about Activate, the first value of life as a pillar. Now see, when we experience true life that only God can give, only God can give true life, something in our lives are activated, are switched on, that, that's not the same. I can't remember, well, maybe you can remember when you got saved. I remember that very, very well, the day I got saved. I got filled with the Spirit. Something was switched on in my life that ne- I could never change that back. It's just something activated that wanted to reach out, that wanted to love, that wanted to change for Him. See, our focus in life changes and activates us to reach out to people around us. Now, I'm not saying go with your Bible and, and stand on the street corner and shout and Bible bash people. I'm not saying that. If you want to do that, great. <laughs> but see, sometimes we are so activated in what we have that God has given us. I can't help not telling people about the good news, about things in my life, about testimonies, about things that God has done. I've trusted Him and He's done it. So many people, and I've worked with students for so long, and, and they will get radically saved. I had this big guy. He's, he's almost 196, and he was a six-flanker for, for the Puck Rugby Institute. Um, I started ministry in Poch. And he was a, quite a wild guy. He was a wild card. He was the guy who cleaned out the bars um, when he got drunk. You know, he's, he's just hectic. And I remember he got saved radically. He got filled with the Spirit. I baptized him and myself because he was so heavy. So... <laughs> And uh, he got up, and the next week, he called me up and said, Henny, there's seriously problems in my life. I thought, who did you kill? You just got saved. Don't do these things. And I got to his, to his house, and, he, and I said, what's wrong? What did you do? He said, no, man, it's serious problems. I'm not swearing anymore. I said, what? It's like, yeah, man, I usually swear every third word. I said, I haven't sweared or sword in, in a week. Something must be seriously wrong. I said, no, no, something is seriously switched on in your life. Because God has changed it. Now today I want to look at the second value of our pillar of life, and that is bring. Bring. To bring transformation based on His grace and His love for others. Now I love the word bringing. When someone brings you something. Don't you like that? Hey, bring me some. Bring me some coffee. Bring me a chocolate. Bring me some. I love, I'm, I've gifted as my, as my love language. It's probably why I love the word bringing. But there's so, so much power in the word bring. I remember when I worked with, um, I was a sports psychologist for Puck, the first Puck, uh, the Puck first team, the Varsity Cup team, and then Curry Cup, and I was involved as a sports psychologist while I was in ministry, running a sport ministry all over the country. We worked with super rugby guys, and we had some guys with the Boca, and, and, uh, but, but I chose to be with the younger generation because I love the younger generation. Because the impact you make is not just now, it is for years to come. And so many of them are playing in France and playing for the Springboks today that I still have connection with, that I still, if I speak to them, said, man, if God didn't do that in my life, 
I don't know where I should where I will be today, but I was a sports psychologist and, and one of my one of my extra duties as a sports psychologist, I had to sit with the guys forty five minutes per week. Each of them it's incredible. Most of them got saved in in my car. I say, let's just go to my car quickly and we prayed to prayer and they got saved and but one of my other duties was to, to run all the supplements. We had a supplement sponsor called PVM, and I ran the supplement sponsors, mixed the supplements, and I did the water. Water was my thing. So during games, I had boots on. I was on the field. I had my radio on. I felt very important, and a coach yelled in my ear, and I had the water, and I was running, and I could go on the field um, and speak to the players, which was really great. But then usually in certain areas of the game, the coach will yell on the radio, Henny! water on and I can run on and bring the water to the players now see the great thing about that was that I could bring the water on because I had the water I had the water now God gave us the kingdom for a reason he gave us the kingdom for a reason in your life there's a big reason that you're living in a kingdom. The, the, the scripture says, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not eating, drinking, and all those other stuff, but it is, it is um, righteousness, peace, and joy, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Sumeri. <laughs> Come on. She knows who's been in church. I've grew up, and we've been drilled with that scripture. And, and it is something that we bring that is righteousness, that is peace, that is joy in life, that the Holy Spirit come and activate in your life when you bring the kingdom. And we've been given the kingdom for a reason. I believe that God has given us or called us to bring, bring the kingdom to people, to situations, to your neighbor, to your town, to the region, to your business, to your family, to your dog if you have to. But we need to bring the kingdom. See, if, I, if, if we bring the kingdom, guess what happens? Transformation. Transformation happens. And in that moment of transformation, a passion is birthed to act, to do, to reach out, to bring Jesus to others. Isn't that powerful? So you don't have to feel that, oh, now I'm in a church, I need to, now, I need to go and preach the gospel. No, no, just go to work, live the life, and shine your light, and speak about the goodness of God, and that is more than enough for lives to change. See, we need to realize that God wants to use us. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us in specific situations just to say something, to give a hug, to bless someone, and then to change big things. Now, firstly, I want to ask the question, how? <laughs> how do we do this? I mean, I've, I'm, you, you know, my, know me by now that I usually ask how. How, why, Lord, explain this to me. Because I want to understand these things. I don't want to be a, uh, I always say, go, just go with the flow, man. But dead fish also goes with the flow. I don't want to be a dead fish. I want to be a live fish that swims where I need to swim, and where God says I need to swim. And that's why we need to ask how. Now, firstly, we, we can only bring transformation to others if we experience transformation because of His grace, because of His love for us. If you've experienced God's grace, you know how to give the grace. If you've experienced God's love, you know <laughs> how to give love and to grow in it. Now, did you know that Japan are actually growing square watermelons? Do you, do you know that? I read the article, I thought, what? 
what kind of stupid thing is this now? I mean, this must be untruth. And I went and I Googled it. And I actually said, this is actually real. They, they literally grow square watermelons. And I thought, why in the world do you want to do that? Why do you want to grow? Or how do you grow a square watermelon? Now see, they put the watermelon before it starts growing in a tempered glass bucket. And then as it grows and gets bigger and bigger, the container shapes the watermelon. It shapes the watermelon. Now why? Because it's easier to put in your refrigerator. <laughs> That's why they do it. I mean, they are clever. In Africa, we have too much. We just cut the thing there and eat it right there on the grass. So I don't need to take it to the refrigerator. <laughs> now, it's amazing to think that a naturally rounded watermelon can become square because of the shape of the container it is grown in. The shape of the container. And I, when I read that, something sparked in my heart. And I realized that in what container do I find myself? See, we need to realize how much the world around us, its customs, will shape us without us knowing it. And I spoke about it. If you go back to my sermon series on mindset, how do you think? We spoke about it. What is the container? What is the customs that you surround yourself with? Because that container will shape you. It will shape you. How many times do we find ourselves inside a container trying to shape us, and then we wonder, how did I get in here? Have you ever been in one of those situations? And I've been this thing, and I was like, man, I don't want to be like this. <laughs> but you're in it. Maybe you have a job, and, and the culture and the, and the custom in that job is just trying to shape you for who you are not. How do you live with life that God gives in a container that's trying to shape you otherwise? See, there's so many people around us in our generation today that is bent out of shape of what God has created them to be. And I'm not talking about the cake shape, you know, the the eating too much cake shape. I'm talking about a spiritual shape of who you are. And there's so many people that bend out of shape about the purpose that God has given them. God has called me for this, but now I'm in this and I'm, I just need to roll with the punches. Not true. We need to ask constantly, what is my purpose, Father? What am I called to do? And sometimes you get to students that they finish their studies and they get to a place where they need to work and they realize that this container that I have been in that has shaped me for so long, I don't know if I need to fit in this container. And it's defining moments in our lives that we realize that, wow, Lord, I still have time to change the container. I still have time. I have a friend that I discipled um, when I was a campus pastor in Potch. He's a brilliant, um, uh, what do you call it, um, a marker, oh my goodness, a broker. Brilliant. He's doing phenomenally good. And he calls me and said, Henny, I know I'm not called to be a broker. I want to farm. I want to do this hydrophonic farming. And, and I, it's something inside of me comes alive when I farm. And I can pray with him through it. I said, but maybe we should pray and see that the container you're in that's shaping you at the moment, is that, the real is that what God has purposed you to be in? And he's been praying through this and he calls me back and said, Henny, I've got so much peace. God is speaking to me. I'm looking at opportunities. I'm going to step out of that boat and I'm going to get into that new container. I'm going to trust God for a miracle because I know that's my purpose. Isn't that powerful? 
You see, so many times the world around us shape us through a container. How about the social media container that we're in? They're trying to shape our identity on a weekly basis. You open up that Facebook and say, oh, these people are so pretty. They look so, their lives look sorted out. My life is so bad and so broken. <laughs> How about the container that you're in that what I own tells me who I am? It's very Stellenboschy. You see, the world around us will try to mold us in a container others from what God has given us to be in. Now, I spoke about this scripture for many times, but I want to I I speak about Romans 12 verse 2 quickly because it says something that I want to show you today again, but I'm, I'm going to show you out of the Amplified Translation. It says, And do not be conformed to the world any longer with the superficial values and its customs. We just spoke about it. But, he says, be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by renewing of your mind. Now, we spoke about the mind. We spoke about it. You need to renew your mind from all those things. But I want to focus on the word transformed here. Don't, don't put yourself in this container where the custom will, 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 will mold you. Be transformed and progressively changed as you take the Scripture. Renew your mind. Mature spiritually. Now, the word transformed here in this context of this scripture is the Greek word that says metamorphosis. And it refers to the process that leads to an outward permanent change. An outward permanent change. You are permanently changed. That's what transformation means. When you get saved, when that moment of salvation comes in your life, there is transformation. Something in my life changed. When I baptized this big friend of mine who's actually now staying in Stelly's, when I baptized him and myself together again, and, and he, it was just amazing. Transformation was so great that his life changed. He started speaking different. And see, transformation starts usually from the inside out. Something happens on the inside of me and suddenly I change. I start smiling where I always was grumpy. I look different, I speak different, but I'm still the same person. But there was transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says the following. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Has become a new person. The old life is what? Gone. Gone. The new life has begun. You can go and read that scripture in a lot of translations. And God will break that thing open to you. That, that means that we are new. When you step through a moment of salvation in your life, when you get filled with the Spirit, when you get baptized, where you, where you meet God in a deeper way that you've known Him, there is transformation in your life. See, when we receive Christ, our lives are impacted. Are impacted by grace. Are impacted by love. Not by law or performance or things that I need to do to get and, and show God that I'm worthy. No, by grace that says you are already worthy. My son has paid the price. See, prior to salvation, a person is dead spiritually. Dead. They're not dead, they're alive, but spiritually they're dead. That's why you feel that you have a void inside of you before you really know Christ. But as soon as that moment of salvation comes, God breathed life into your spirit, a brand new spirit. That brings transformation in your life. You start thinking different. You, start, you, you have different likings. You, um, some stuff that never frustrated you now frustrates you. There's a longing for purity. There's a longing for life. There's a longing for light in your life. 
You see, when we are transformed in such a way, we are destined to make a transformational impact around us. You are. You are. So many pastors get saved next week. They tell, about, uh, they tell their friend about what happened to their life. Their friend can see something is different. They want that, and they come to church. And that's how transformation has an impact around them, around us, all around us. Where, what we do and where we go, we just need to be willing and say, Lord, my life has changed. Show me how to give this to others. Show me. Now, here comes the question again. How do we, as believers, bring transformational impact? How do we? See, Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthian church about a fragrance, a fragrance that, that, that is in our lives. That our lives, actually not in our lives, but is set free from our lives, a fragrance, a smell. Now, men, you all know what, what happens when you give your wife flowers. What happens? Ah, that's what she do. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's just a given. They sniff on the flowers like, oh, it smells so nice. Why? Because smell has got a tremendous effect on us as human beings. It does have. We love smelling. When something smells nice, oh, man, I love being walking. I mean, I love spring. When you walk around, you smell the smells of spring. But when something smells bad, I mean, it's horrible. I remember my first flight to America, we were flying um, Joburg, Cape Town, Dakar, and on my Joburg, Cape Town, Dakar flight, I sat le- next to a guy who was going to Dakar, but he forgot to bathe like four weeks before he f- went to the flight. And I had to sit for, for eight to nine hours. My ears are teary. From, it is it bad. I wanted to move, but the airplane is full. <laughs> you can do nothing. And as soon as the guy got off in, in Dakar, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And the next guy came on, and fresh from, from the car, and he said, hello. And when he said that, man, I almost fainted. <laughs> it is, uh, smell has got a tremendous effect on our lives. It, it has. Now, I grew up in Potchefstroom. If you don't know where it is, go and Google it. It's a, a wonderful town. It looked like Stalamosh without mountains. <laughs> But I always, my favorite moment in, in life, well, when, I, when we grew up, is the same we went on holiday, we went to Hartenbos for two and a half weeks, shut down, enjoying. We stayed in a big, big, uh, um, a big house with a lot of families together, and we have friends there. But my favorite moment for driving there is when we go over through Oatswaring, over that pass in Oatswaring. Now, most people who come from the Northwest, they can't wait to see the sea. Does it sound? Maybe some of you that come from Pretoria and all the, come on, Wimpy is like, the first one who see the sea get an ice cream tomorrow. Yeah, you know all those things. Now for me, I was like, Bruh. I just want to come over that pass and open my window and smell that feinbos. Man, then I feel like, ah, oh, I'm in heaven. I love it. That's the smell of holiday. Until today, my wife laughs at me. It's like I, when I go to Strand, I was like, wind down the window, just smell the feinbos. When you go to, and you go all the way to Hermanus, you smell that feinbos smell. I love, love, love that. I want to plant feinbos in my garden. My wife doesn't want to. But I love that smell. Now, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2, and out of the Passion Translation, look what it says. It says, God always makes His grace visible in Christ. That's so powerful. It says, who includes us as partners of his endless triumphs through yielded lives. Um, sorry, through yielded lives, he spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. Isn't that amazing? 
He says, we have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one of God. A perfume of life to those being saved and the odor of death to those be, are perishing. Powerful scripture, isn't it? I know I'm using the Passion Translation, but if you go to New Living, the King James, it, it all speaks about a, a perfume, a smell, an aroma of, that, that is released when, when the children of God walks into a room. Now, Paul saw a Roman parade. Let me just give you a backdrop where this comes from. Paul saw a Roman parade that walked into town, a victory parade that they had. And he, he started writing this as an illustration, using this as an illustration as he was writing the Scriptures. Now, let me explain to you. When a Roman general had a victory, a massive victory, what they did is he paraded his men into town with the enemy, the captives, behind. They are in cages, whatever, they locked up, they, they captive. And then they had all this loot that they had, all the, all the what do you call it, the, um, the spoils of the, of the war they had, and they gave it to the people standing watching the parade, some of them. But then the great thing that we never realize is they had the cisterns, the spans, the cisterns is, or censers, there we go. It's a big pan with incenses in it that they burned, that his men carried in this parade all around. So the people who were watching this parade saw this general coming. This is a victory parade, one of his most memorable victories, carrying the senses with the fragrance being released as they're marching through this town. People smelling this aroma and they connected to victory. They connected to our general has just have a great victory. Look at the spoils. Look at the captives. And, and Paul looked at this and he wrote this and he says, we have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one. A perfume of life to those being saved. Now people would always compare the aroma with the smell of victory. Always. Now God has called us to spread the smell, the aroma of Christ's victory to every person on earth. He has called us to spread that aroma. Now I don't know about you, but, but sometimes when we go and we visit people, it happens so many times to me and Salome and the kids and we visit there and we have a great time. We eat there, we maybe spend a weekend and then afterwards when we say bye, the people say, man, we just love hanging out with you. That's not because of who we are. We had a terrible, I mean, when the, when the twins were like eight months old, they cried all the time. There was, there was bad smelling odors, there was dukkha, there was puke on my shoulder, it was bad. And we have this weekend with friends. I could never finish one conversation because the kids are crying and this twin and that thing. And Salome is always in the room breastfeeding. And it's just crazy. And afterwards they will tell us, man, we just love spending time with you. And I thought, serious? Man, <laughs> through all the puke and the nappies and everything, are you serious? They said, no, we just, we just love just what you guys bring. And, it's been, it's, and, and, and sometimes for me it's such a, revel, a revelation of who God is in our lives. Because I get two sentences of speaking life into their situation, to their life, and I realize it's like an aroma that they smell. It's an aroma of victory of Christ that I brings, that encourages. Now, there is three ways that we as believers can make a godly impact by spreading the aroma of God, spreading the aroma of His victory that lure people to Christ. And I want to look at that three very quickly, and I'm going to end today. Number one is love unconditionally. To love unconditionally. You see, as followers of Christ, 
What are we called to do? It's to love. To love others. Now, I know that there's sometimes people that <laughs> that's not very lovable around us that we need to love. But God has still called us to love unconditionally. There's no condition to my love for you. So when you love others, don't put a condition on it. Don't put a condition. See, Jesus didn't give his disciples weapons and torches and says, now go fight and make my name known. No, he didn't. He gave them something much more impactful by loving, by loving others, by smiling, encouraging people. I've got a mother who's very impulsive. She's an impulsive driver. I love her to bits. And, but she will never walk through a parking lot, through a shopping mall, through it, wherever, she, by stopping and speaking to people. And I was like, man, where's my mom? I want to go. And then she's speaking and prophesying and praying for that guy. And then she's running over here and said, ah, I've got one for you as well. And she's just so encouraging all over. Drives us crazy some days. But she has got the revelation of loving people. Loving them. Not walking by someone without saying, hey, God loves you. Or, hey, man, you look so nice today. Man, and then people start smiling and they experience the aroma of victory of Christ. Now, see, life is full of people who don't know God, who don't know Him. And they are drawn to the aroma of us, of people who love God. Who, by loving them unconditionally, they are drawn to God. And, and so many of people isn't lovable, I know. But when we love them unconditionally, when they're grumpy at work and you say, hey, man, it's such a great day, so it's serious, it's raining outside. It's raining. The dams are getting full. Things are going to, it's going to blossom, it's going to come out. There's always something we, we look to show God's love for a generation around us that struggles with fear, with anxiety, with depression, with discouragement. But see, it's exactly where the aroma and the fragrance of God needs to have an effect. It needs to have an effect in people's lives. Look at uh, Colossians 3. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Greek or a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercies, um, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect unity. Isn't that a powerful scripture? Powerful scripture. Where Paul comes and says, clothe yourself. We never walk around naked. We are clothed. And God says, as a spiritual being, as who we are, clothe yourself with love all the time. So that who runs into you, who speaks to you, who you um, get to interact with would see the love of Christ, would smell that aroma of His goodness, of His victory in your life. See, Paul says in 1 John 4, and it's not on there, it says that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. See, what perfect love is, it is unconditional. It's not a condition. I don't have to work and do things and then... Maybe I'll love you tomorrow. Let's see how much you do. Okay, uh, okay, tick, I can love you now. It's not that. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. And sometimes you don't sum someone up in the first two minutes you, you meet them. You get to know them. You get to see Christ in them. 
then there's an unconditional love that in that moment says, I'm going to love you no matter what it is. Because there's something about God inside of my heart that I want to give to you. See, in a world filled with fear right now, filled with fear, should I be inoculated? Should I be this or not? Should I still use my mask or not? Should I do this? I mean, I can't go here, I can't go there, I can't do this. See, perfect love, unconditional love, cast out all fear. No matter how much fear the world brings, or what we face or what we do, there's an unconditional f- love that, that is so unsteerklik, if I can use the Afrikaans word. And just by doing that, we will see transformation. If you love someone every day, maybe you've got someone at, at work and Maybe I can tell you a very quick testimony before I end. I have this friend who, he finished his study, he went to Coopers, and he went into that mess in Pretoria, and he went into that massive building, and he's like, man, I feel so overwhelmed, all these corporates, all these bosses, I'm sitting in my corporate corner key in my little um, uh, cubicle, there we go, and, he's, and, and God pushes on his heart to, to write an email and send to all, you know, that's like Jerry Maguire kind of mistake you make and and say i'm starting a prayer between lunch hour pray together maybe read scripture if anyone want to comes i'll come i'll be there and we can do um, uh, like a bible study together and he he prays sent to all not realizing he's sending it to the ceo the ceo the cfo all the guys in the corporate office way in the top send it to everyone and he right on he realized that and he's like what did i do and the next day he came to work and it's like, oh man, I need to, it's like one o'clock is coming closer. Nobody replied on his email. And he went there. For five minutes before he went to lunch, he got an email back from a CEO. He said, thank you for your, for your um, uh, just forward thinking. I'll be there today. And he felt suddenly this pressure coming on him. And he went there and it was 50 people. Starting a cell group, a prayer group in the middle of Coopers, who do so much financial weight that they carry through the world. I mean, and that was 10 years ago. He started doing connect group, little groups, junior in the firm, sitting in a cubicle. Just said, Lord, all I can do is love people. All I can do is just love them. Number two is to serve sacrificially. I love the story of Daniel. I don't know if you've read the book of Daniel, but let me give you a bit of background. Daniel and his men, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all those awesome guys, the Jews that was captured now. The kingdom of Babylon was ruled by one of the most powerful kings at that stage, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, and he destroyed Jerusalem, came and destroyed him, killed most of the people, took all of them as slaves, but he took the youngest, the, the brightest of the men as counselors, trained them up, and that's where Daniel came in, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and and. and and that's where we read the story. Now, Daniel served under four kings, four kings' generations, four generations of kings. That's, that's quite a while. That's, 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 that's a, long, a long time to serve in a hidden culture. They talk about a small piece of leaven in a dark world of unrighteousness. <laughs> that's where Daniel was. Now, the amazing thing for me is no matter what Daniel had to go through or what, what the king took from him, he took from him everything. What did Daniel do? He served sacrificially. He served. 
and because of his heart to serve the authority God placed on him, that small piece of leaven had a great effect in that nation. And we have the Daniel in the lion's den, and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mighty things happened through their lives. And with king after king, Daniel received more favor as a prophet than any magician, any astrologer, any guy in that kingdom. Because he served sacrificially. He loved unconditionally. And I remember when, if you read King Nebuchadnezzar's second dream, the first dream he dreamed, Daniel came out of the prison. Oh, well, they actually, one guy known about Dave, Daniel, and he came and he, he gave him the, the, um, the meaning of the dream. The second dream, God showed him, Daniel came, the king told him his dream. God showed Daniel that says, the king has been unrighteous, and because he's been unrighteous, he will become like a wild animal for three years. And Daniel was, was, there was some turmoil in his heart. After receiving this interpretation, look what, look what happened with Daniel. Upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of this dream. Then the king said to him, Daniel, don't be alarmed by this dream and what it means. And then listen to this. Daniel replied, he says, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. I mean, that is, is a guy who comes and takes everything from you. Kill your family, take you as a slave, and God gives you favor, more favor, more favor. And when God wants to come and give you revenge, he says, please, Lord, spare him. Now, see, as we serve people, no matter what they are, who they are, unconditional love will, follow, will flow from within us. There will be something different in our lives when we serve people unconditionally, sacrificially. I love servant leadership because I know that was Jesus. He washed the disciples' feet. And to love people is part of our DNA. To serve others is part of our DNA. We want to serve this town. As church, I want to serve other churches and pastors. I want to give when in lockdown when... It wasn't going too well with us. God blessed us so much that we can provide for probably four or five pastors. And it's our heart. We want to serve. We want to be make a change to unconditional love in this town, and not just in this town, in the region. See, we're not called just to use, called to use people, but to love them. And it's so easy to use people. People say, it's not who you are, it's who you know. Eh? What people can do for you. And it's true. And that's community. But we're not called to use people, but to love them, to serve them, to see what we can do. Look at Galatians 5. I'm almost done. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your, to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. I remember when I was at the Rugby Institute my last year there, we had a very tough captain. The captain was one of those very strong personalities. And he knew I was in ministry and he didn't want to speak to me, he didn't want to know anything. Those stupid cell groups that you're doing, this, this and that. And, and I thought, man, I can't, if you can't get to the captain, you struggle to get to the team. And I was praying and said, Lord, how can I serve him to such a degree that, that, that to show him that I'm not just here to receive 
you need to do what I say. And, but I wanted to serve him. So I, I listened for about two weeks in the room. And you remember supplements was my thing. So I listened to every player. We had a thing that on halftime I had a container that I packed, a bottle for each player. Uh, sorry, we had just had a bottle, uh, the container full of water. And I realized, but how can I serve him better? And I made a plan. To, so I went and I wrote down a number for every bottle. So number one, hooker, Faskop, lock. And, I, I, and he was a six flanker, brilliant six flanker. And I went to him and I said, listen, what would you like at halftime? Because we have supplements and recovery drinks and all these things. I said, what would you like? And he looked at me and it's like, because I said, I, I see you don't drink the recovery stuff. He said, no, Henny, I only like ice water. That's what I drink. I said, thank you. Didn't make a thing of it. Man, that first game, I made sure his bottle was filled with ice, water in. And when I ran onto the field with that container, I slapped it down, took his bottle, ran to him, said, here you go. And he was like shocked. He looked at me, took a drink, and in that moment, something changed. In that moment. Why? Because I was clever and I had a good plan. No, no, I served him. I wanted to serve him. I wanted to make sure that, that if I'm a servant to him, I'll be a servant to the team. And if I'm a servant to them, there's an aroma of God that comes, that touches people, that transforms them in a certain degree. And then number three is to prophesy over the bones. To prophesy over the bones. Ezekiel 37 Verse 4 said, he said to me in, a, in the book of Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, say to them, not pray for them, prophesy to them. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. See, God did not say to Ezekiel, pray to the bones, pray for the bones. He said, prophesy over them. And one of our main pillars of this first pillar is life, life. And you'll know if you know me that I always would tell you, speak life over every situation in your life. Don't just go on and say, oh, you know what, this is just how it is and this is how things happen. No, no, God has called us to speak life. You know what, what kept the Israelites in the desert, not entering the promised land? Themselves. Because they moaned, they complained, they murmured. All they do is they complain, complain. If you ran into them, they complain about this, they complain about that. You know, if they started speaking life over that desert, over the quartals, over all these things that they had, they started speaking life, they would have been in the promised land long ago. But we in our lives are so much in a place where we don't prophesy over the bones. We just, oh Lord, you need to help us. Instead of, Lord, I speak life over this situation. I speak life over my children, over my car, over my finance, over my family, over my business, over my neighbor whose dog is barking all the time. I'm speaking life over that. You see, we need to train and equip ourselves and realize, sometimes wake ourselves up to say, I want to speak life over everything in my life. I want to speak life over my health, over my body, over this, and then I'm going to trust God for healing. I want to speak life over my kids' education, over their schools, over this, what they do, over that, what they do. I'm going to speak life over my marriage. I'm going to speak life over these things, and I don't care if it's dark around me. I'm still going to speak life, because I know where life is, light comes. We need to prophesy over the bones, and that's what I, I really believe, that God has called this church to be a life-giving church. 
To be a church that will know, I don't care if we are one or if we are a thousand, we will speak life over Stellenbosch. When I take my car and I drive through town, I speak life over things. Lord, I thank you for this new business. I speak life for them. Lord, I thank you for this new church. I speak life for them. I call the pastor. I have coffee with him. I pray for him. I say, I could speak life over your church. Why? Because we are not a lone ranger church sitting on a pedestal and our, our light is stronger than yours. No. We are called to reach out to make a change, to bring love unconditionally, to serve sacrificially, and then speak life, prophesy over our lives, over our bones, over the things in our lives that we want to see life. So if we trust in God to change our town, our nation, to change this, this, this nation and the stuff we're in, when ESCOM again do load shedding, thank, thank you, Father, for life over my Power. I don't know if you've seen Facebook this week. Maybe it's just now a state. But the mom was sitting with a little two-year-old boy of three, four-year-old boy. And it was locked, um, load shedding again. And they were speaking. And he said, Mommy, is there always this? Why is the, the power going off? And she said, Ah, oh, I don't know. They're just this and that. And, 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 and she said, well, But it, tomorrow it will happen again at the same time. And he said, No, it isn't. And she said, yeah, you're right. Let's speak life over ESCOM and over the power tomorrow that, that the lights will be on. And she said on Facebook, it's a huge testimony, she said, she asked people that when 5 o'clock, when the power went off, their lights were on. For half an hour, it was weird. She walked to the neighbors, and the power was off. And she walked to other neighbors, the power was off, and their lights were on for half an hour. And it was such a testimony for her, for her herself where her little boy of four years old spoke life. No, it's not. And sometimes we just take things for granted, but there's so much power in the life of Jesus. There's so much power in the life when we say, Lord, I trust you for a miracle. That God brings life. His life switch on the light in us. It ignites something in our lives that I cannot shut up anymore, but I need to tell. I need to speak. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and I'm going to... I'm going to six Father, we thank you this morning, and I want to invite you, just if you close your eyes this morning, won't you trust God this morning? Won't you trust God with us this morning that, that there will be a switch on moment, a switch on moment? To realize that you carry an aroma in your life that actually has an impact on the people around you. Sometimes we don't see it, we don't realize it, but we carry an impact that changes people around us. And Father, we've got so many testimonies that we know that you are so true. So many testimonies of, of truth that you brought life, that you changed a life by just someone else who loved them and loved them and loved them and served them and spoke life over that situation and father i pray that you will you will set this value in our hearts that we are called to bring transformation we are called to bring transformation i just felt this morning mana you and therese with that, that 
that woman that you painted, that God is going to bring more transformation in ladies' lives through that. I really saw that right now. And I saw how God's going to open more doors and more doors and there's going to be more things and He's going to open your mouth to speak freedom and transformation in people's lives. There's going to be an impact. God's going to make a massive impact through not only in Stellenbosch, I'll see how you travel to Cape Town, to Durban, to Pretoria. I see how God's going to open the doors. Father, I pray not only them, but that they will... <laughs> that we will come to a place where we realize that things might seem insignificant in our lives. But there is a significant change when you bring transformation through our lives. I pray, Lord, that you open more things in our lives. Open more things. Open more things. When we trust you, when we get out of that boat to say, Lord, I'm going to look at you. I'm not going to look at the waves, the sea, the ocean. I'm going to look at you, Father, to release your fragrance to people around me. And if you are here this morning, I really feel that I need to pray for some people this morning. And you don't have to go anywhere but just standing where you are at. And I want you to close your eyes and and if you are here and you feel that, Lord, I don't feel I can make an impact. I don't feel like I'm just this normal guy or girl who's sitting at my job and going home and just going through the motions. I feel God is almost shouting at you today. It's like, I believe in you. I believe in you. I know you can make an impact through your life. So every word that you speak, everything that you do, every friend that you have. Maybe you can just put your hand on your heart this morning. If that is you, just put your hand on your heart. Father, you know and see their hearts this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and make an impact in their lives right now. That they know that they know that they can bring transformation through what you've given them, that you will show them more grace, that you will show them your love, that you will help them to realize that they carry an aroma of your presence, an aroma of your goodness in everything they do. And I pray your blessing over them this morning. pray your goodness over us. May we live our values, Father, not just have things on the wall, but live our values. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.